Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back, everybody. As always, thanks for joining me on another solo episode of the Red Light Report. Happy December to everyone out there listening. Uh, hope you guys are having a great holiday season thus far with uh, hopefully some more happy holidays spirits to uh, be had this month and headed into 2024. Before we get started with the uh, proverbial informational part of the the episode, I thought I would do something a little more uh, unique and something I haven't done before because, well, this podcast is only a couple of years old. But for those of you that use Spotify, you should be familiar with the wrapped. And so if you're a listener, you get what is called a wrapped and it tells you like the, you know, how many minutes you listen to music throughout the entire year and, you know, what were your most popular genres, what was your most popular song, who were your most popular artists and stuff like that. And so personally, I haven't looked at mine yet. I'll, I'll do that soon. I always like saving it for a little bit and... uh <laughs> It's like it's like a little present, so I, I like to let it sit under the Christmas tree, if you will, uh, before I open it up and see uh, what my results were as a listener. But with all that being said, as a podcaster, you also get a wrapped. And I don't know uh, for you longtime listeners if you remember me posting about my wrapped last year on my personal Instagram, Dr. Mike Belkowski. And so last year on December 12th, Almost a calendar year ago to the day, I posted my wrapped, my podcast wrapped. Why I'm even doing this is because I'm going to do the Red Light Report wrapped live, meaning I have not looked at the results yet, and I'm going to go through it with you guys live here on the recording. And of course, it's not going to be as uh, glamorous because I'm going to be watching all of the uh, cool graphics and, and artwork and stuff that pops up as, as you go through the wrapped here on the computer or on your phone. So Spotify does a pretty cool job with that. But regardless, you'll be able to listen to the results. And, and for those who find it, you know, interesting or, or whatnot, it'll be kind of cool. But to even make it more, I guess, informative or, or comparative, I'll, I'll read off some of the highlights from last year's wrapped before we jump into the wrapped of 2023 for the red light report. So for example, Last year, the Red Light Report had 43 episodes that uh, accumulated to 2.3 thousand minutes worth of podcast episodes um, that was listened to over 52 countries. And relative to the Red Light Report in 2021, uh, the amount of hours went up 431%. And of course, 2021 was the first year. It wasn't a full year. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see what it is this year. I'm just looking at the slide here on my on my Instagram report. So it said your podcast saw a lot of gains this year. 430% increase in hours, 355% increase in streams, 289% increase in listeners, and 252% increase in followers. You are a top 10 podcast for 739 fans. You're a top five podcast for 450 fans, and you are the number one podcast for 91 fans, which I was surprised by. And like I said, it was heard in 52 countries. The top five were the United States, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, and Sweden. And then it said your podcast was in the top 5% most shared globally. 
And again, I don't really have any context for that, but it sounds pretty cool. And then it says you were in the top 10% most followed podcasts. Again, I don't really have any uh, comparative stats for that, but again, it sounds pretty, pretty awesome, I suppose. And then last couple slides here, it said your listeners podcast personality is the time traveler, which means your fans are audio time travelers. They seek out podcasts that are new to them, regardless of whether they're new to the rest of the world. Okay. (laughs) And then, so you guys are time travelers, at least you were in 2022. And then the episode that was entitled hyperbaric oxygen therapy and mitochondrial dot, dot, dot. Uh, I'm guessing that's one that was with Dr. Jason Somers. I said 213% more streams than your average episode. So apparently you guys really like that information on the hyperbaric oxygen and, and mitochondrial health. You created 2,335 minutes of new content. And so there you go. So that was 2022. So without further ado, not to make this too long in the tooth, let's check out Wrapped for 2023. Here we go. So it said this thread light report, your Wrapped is here. Let's go. In 2023, people were really, really feeling what you do. I have a hunch they say that for all podcasters. Uh, The next slide here. Ready? Let's take it from the top. Yes, very cool graphics and all that. Speaking of top, your top episode was Grounding Part 1. Is earthing the best anti-inflammatory in the world? Wow, that surprises me. Kind of, but not really. Grounding Part 1. So that was um, earlier in the year. So of course, I would have more time to accrue listens and attention. But again, that still takes a lot of people listening to it, a lot of people sharing it. And if you guys uh, remember, or if you don't, that was when I was beginning to read from Clint Ober's book, Earthing. So we dove into grounding and all of its amazing benefits, anti-inflammatory, pro-circulatory, accruing electrons, so increasing your voltage, all that good stuff, anti-EMF. So it's pretty cool to see that you guys enjoyed that episode. It was streamed 707% more than your average episode. And just going back into my slides here, that one on hyperbaric oxygen and the mitochondrial health was 213% more streamed. So for that episode on grounding to be 707% more streamed, you guys really, really, really like that information. So that, that's, that's good to know for me as the host. Moving along here, more cool graphics. Let's hear it for the new fans. Okay, here comes the information on metrics. 88% of your listeners discovered you in 2023. So that means like a massive increase in viewership and and followers just this year alone, which makes sense as a growing podcast, young and upcoming. Basically, 2023 is the second full year of the Red Light Report because I started... I started it in about May, or sorry, March, April-ish of of 2021, so about a third of the year in, or yeah, about a third of the year in, quarter of the year in. But anyway, so grounding part one, that episode, 16% of your new listeners started right there. So that's another good testament to that episode is, again, it probably got shared out and people got tuned into it and interested in that information and then possibly carried forward into listening more episodes about uh, grounding and then hopefully stayed around for the information on red light therapy and uh, methylene blue. All right, next slide here. How does it feel to have gone global? Feels great, Spotify. What what numbers do you got for me? You were streamed in 
62 countries. I think that's up from 58, right? Before it was 52 countries. I don't have a good memory. 52 countries. So now we're up to 62 countries. And United States was your top country, surprise, surprise, with 53% of your total streams. I'm actually surprised it's that low of a percentage. That means there's a lot of international listeners, which again, that's, that's really cool to hear. The next slide here, you have the most new listeners in the United States, Australia, Canada, United Kingdom, and Sweden. So that's interesting that they have the most new listeners because that last year was just the most uh, most listeners were in X and Y countries. Uh, the The order is almost the exact same except Australia and Canada swapped for new listeners this year. But the same top five countries still remain. I'm I'm su- kind of surprised that Sweden is a top five. But again, very cool. Transitioning along here, your listeners have good taste, obviously. So what else are they into? Your listeners' top podcast genres were, no surprise, number one, health and fitness. Number two, comedy. Interesting, and I love that because I love comedy. And number three, education, which kind of falls in line with health and fitness, but I guess the learning mentality carries on uh, with my audience. So that's pretty cool because that basically summarizes me as well. I love health and fitness, of course. Comedy, that's my favorite type of movie. That's my favorite type of personality in a way. Love stand-up comedy. Some people don't find it interesting, but I find it to be very enjoyable. And then, of course, education. I'm a lifetime lifetime learner, so you guys are just like me, which is cool to hear. You kind of want to build an audience around yourself in a way, so that all works out. Moving along here, your listeners' top music genres were, one, pop. Number two, rock. Number three, rap. Interesting that my listeners' top three genres includes rap because for the longest time, that was my number one genre. Now it's more um, electro. I don't know if you'd call it EDM, but my, my favorite artist year after year is always Kygo and Chainsmokers, so that type of music. That's kind of popish EDM. Rock is probably top four, top five. I enjoy it. I, I listen to all the uh, the oldies, Rolling Stones and... Uh, not the Beatles, interestingly, but like ACDC, Bruce Springsteen, that type of rock. I also like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and some of the New Age stuff. So again, this is very close to me. Love pop music, especially that EDM-ish uh, electro pop, I guess you could say. Rap is probably still a top two for me. But I find it very interesting that my listeners have rap in their top three. Learning more and more about you guys than <laughs> I could have ever, I could have ever hoped to learn. Moving along here, and and on the topic of music, I've got some interesting, I guess, updates coming for you guys soon related to music, because unless you listen to maybe one of my very first episode or two when I was introducing myself in the podcast, or if you've heard me talk about myself on other podcasts when I'm introducing myself, I took private lessons for 13 years for the violin. And so even some of my Longtime friends and close friends don't even know unless they went to school with me that I used to play the violin because I haven't played it for years. And even before I got into physical therapy school, I was or I had an electric violin. Um, I had Apple Studio and I was getting very ready to kind of tinker around with the electric violin, making some beats, producing some music and kind of going down that path. But uh, not long after I got that electric violin and that equipment, I did get into uh, physical therapy school and, and the rest is history there. So I kind of dropped 
uh, pursuing that kind of stuff until extremely, extremely recently. So you guys may or may not hear some music coming from me. And I'm going to introduce it onto the podcast. I may even make a new theme song or just introduce some new music on a weekly or monthly basis. So that's something you guys potentially have to look forward to. So that's pretty cool. You guys like that type of music because that's the type of music I'll probably be focusing on with my electric violin and uh, other music producing instruments. Okay, let's move along here with the wrapped. Uh, your listeners definitely told their friends about you. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You know, carrying a sharing. Uh, said your podcast was shared all over. 34% with a direct link, 33% via text, 14% other, 14% WhatsApp, 5% Facebook. So this is very interesting. Of course, this is not uh, a metric they had on the on last year's wrapped. So again, guys, thanks for sharing the podcast because that's what it's all about. If you found the information interesting or or useful or beneficial, of course, please share it with your friends and family and colleagues, whomever. So I appreciate you guys are sharing sharing the uh, podcast. Moving along. In fact, your most shared episode was Grounding Part 1. So no surprise, that was the most popular episode. That's where most people started following. That was the most shared episode. Grounding Part 1. Your podcast rating was 4.9. Can you feel the love? Yes, I can, Spotify. <laughs> Um, let's see. This year, your listeners did more than just listen. They got to talking. You created 35 question and answers, which received 11 responses. Are you a gardener? Oh boy, I feel like this is a joke. Because your podcast saw some nice growth this year. Here we go. Here are the numbers. Over 100% increase in listeners. Over 131% increase in streams over 125% increase in followers, and an 8% increase in minutes created. Well, that's no surprise. I mean, the minutes should be pretty close, but it sounds like uh, I had a little bit more content for you guys this past year. And let's see what else is left. Can't forget to give a shout out to your biggest fans. You're a top 10 podcast for 1,398 fans. Trying to scroll back here on my phone to see what the numbers were last year. Your top 10 podcast of 739. This year it's 1398, so almost doubled. Uh, You're a top five podcast for 796 fans. Last year it was 490, so not quite double, but kind of close. And then drum roll, please. So last year the Red Light Report was the number one podcast for 91 fans. This year, you're our number one podcast for 160 fans. So again, not quite double, but a really nice increase. Top fans listen to you 2.9 times more than your other listeners. 83% joined you for the first time this year. So that's cool. Again, it's a young and growing podcast. So let's zoom out. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not following me on Instagram, this will be shared on there shortly to spread the news. And, you know, with all that being said, thanks for listening to that. I know that was maybe a little dry or arduous for those who aren't interested. Hopefully you just skipped over it. But uh, for, for you guys that listened, I appreciate every single one of you that tune in week after week, or at least most weeks, and listen to the information uh, and share it with your friends and family and otherwise. 
Uh, if you ever have some information that you feel you would like to learn as it relates to red light therapy, mitochondrial health, and now methylene blue, please just feel free to email me info at biolight.shop or just uh, DM us at biolight.shop on Instagram or Facebook or me personally, just reach out Dr. Mike Belkowski on Instagram or just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Same thing, Mike Belkowski. And just feel free to give me your feedback, better, worse, uh, constructive, of course, or just let me know what topics you're interested in. I'll, I'll do my best to integrate it in. Of course, we've started those office hours, which has been another avenue for me to answer those types of questions. So if you haven't yet, you can go to the BioLite feed and check out the, the previous recordings and then tune in on Thursdays. It's at 4 p.m. Eastern time if you want to watch the office hours live and ask questions live or just listen to me answer questions that have been asked. So that's always an option too. Uh, so I'm just finding more avenues to to provide information, provide education, and just continue to spread the word on all things red light therapy, mitochondrial health, and methylene blue. At this point, I'm sure you guys have heard of Methylene Blue, especially if you've been listening to this podcast. You guys have heard me shout from the mountaintops the many benefits of Methylene Blue. So Methylene Blue is a major, major mitochondrial booster. It has a lot of similar properties as red light therapy, but they actually work slightly differently as far as how they derive their benefits to the mitochondrial function. A couple of the, my favorite aspects include the fact that when you ingest it, the majority of the Methylene Blue ends up in your brain. So that's why you see these amazing cognitive, mental energy boosts from Methylene Blue. It can even stave off or prevent or reverse some types of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. This is my second favorite part about it. The Methylene Blue has this innate sense to help cells that have the most mitochondrial dysfunction first before helping other cells. So not only does it help cells that need the help most, but again, most of the Methylene Blue ends up in your brain where, as you all know, that is the most mitochondrial dense tissue in the body. Thus, that's why you see all these amazing benefits with the brain with methylene blue. And then thirdly, red light therapy and methylene blue are major synergists. So of course you have your independent benefits when you just use methylene blue or red light therapy. But when you combine them together, you amplify the benefits of one another and you get the synergistic response. So anyone that's interested in red light therapy should at least be considering or looking into the many benefits of methylene blue. And as you know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast, my company BioLite has recently released an enhanced methylene blue product that includes certain ingredients like NMN that further boost the energy production of the mitochondria. It also enhances the photodynamic activity already associated with methylene blue by including colloidal gold, colloidal silver, which have their own antimicrobial or cognitive benefits, silver and gold respectively, but they also have their own photodynamic benefits as well. So again, you're amplifying the benefits of red light therapy when you ingest BioBlue. Lastly, fulvic acid helps you absorb anything that you're consuming when you're also taking it with fulvic acid so it drives everything deeper into the cells. When you take BioBlue, it helps further absorb the methylene blue, the NMN, and the colloidal gold and silver so you get this enhanced methylene blue product with BioBlue. And so of course for my loyal listeners, especially you guys that have listened this far into the ad in the middle of the episode here, I'm going to give you guys an exclusive 15% discount on your order of BioBlue. And you can apply that to a single pack or a double pack or a four pack or a 10 pack. And of course, with a larger quantity, you actually get an increased discount. Simply use coupon code BIOBLUE15 at checkout. That's BIOBLUE15 at checkout. And you can snag that 15% discount 
discount off your order of BioBlue. So if you're interested in seeing what all of the excitement around Methylene Blue is about from its ability to improve cognition, energy, improve mitochondrial function, and furthermore help mitigate or prevent things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and depression, pain, cancer, go ahead and give BioLite's Methylene Blue Enhanced product, BioBlue, a shot and see what you notice, especially when you combine it with your red light therapy treatments. And with that being said, the article we're going to focus on this week is actually centered around methylene blue. The article is entitled, The Potentials of Methylene Blue as an Anti-Aging Drug. This is from 2021 in December, so a smooth two years ago. We're not going to you know, go too much into the introduction because we've talked a lot about the uh, historical aspects and the basics of methylene blue. But I do invite you, for those who are just learning about methylene blue for the first time, go back and listen to the episode from the last month or two ago entitled Top 10 Benefits of Methylene Blue. That's been by far the most popular podcast of this year, or at least of the last month or two for sure. And it's from October 19th, so only you know a couple months ago. And that is a very good overview of what methylene blue is, the historical standpoints, and like the top, again, the top 10 research-based aspects of methylene blue. So we're going to jump about halfway down in the introduction so we can get into some uh, relatively interesting nuances or refreshing aspects of mitochondrial health. So they go on to say that according to the free radicals theory of aging, cell and tissue aging are a result of free radicals attacks. In human cells, reactive oxygen species are mainly produced in the mitochondria. And of course, this is an inherent byproduct of ATP production or energy production. So as your mitochondria produces ATP, it's naturally going to produce reactive oxygen species. It's uh, when this becomes excessive for, for various reasons that the reactive oxygen species become an issue. But through normal oxidative metabolism in the mitochondria, again, that's normal. So moving along here, while aging declines in mitochondrial mass, Respiration capacity and respiration efficiency were observed in different tissues. To the author's point here, a natural sign of aging, we get a decrease in the size of the mitochondria, thus their ability to produce ATP and their efficiency for producing ATP. And all of these contribute to increased reactive oxygen species and decreased energy production. And so again, while we're talking about the mitochondria here, if we step back and take a macroscopic overview, red light therapy, again, can mitigate or even prevent this from happening. So that's why all of us here listening are such red light therapy enthusiasts. It's because of its inherent and profound potential implications of using red light therapy on a consistent basis, it's to mitigate these aging mitochondrial deficits, if you will. So if we use red light therapy consistently, and of course, exercise is another massive one for these exact issues, mitigating that decline in mitochondrial mass, improving respiration capacity, improving respiration efficiency, all of that has to do with ATP production. Thus, we're keeping our mitochondria more functional, we're producing more energy, and then as a human being, all of our cells, our tissues, our organs will be operating as they should. So aging in our 50s, 60s, and 70s, 80s, if we're adopting these mitochondrial boosting practices, and again, red, red light therapy is just one of many, but a very powerful one, 
then we should not be dealing with these issues. Then we should not be getting sick and thus we should not be having diseases. And in fact, we should be very vibrant and have as much vitality as we did in our 20s and 30s. And so moving forward here, dysfunctional mitochondria lead to decreased ATP production and increased reactive oxygen species production, which would further damage mitochondria. This vicious cycle leads to severe cellular damages and accelerates the aging process. Methylene blues antioxidative properties mainly improve mitochondrial function and break the reactive oxygen species mitochondrial damage cycle, which makes it a great candidate as an anti-aging drug. So that last little bit there, that last little paragraph, is a fantastic synopsis about the immense potential of methylene blue for mitochondrial health, which if we're talking again about the Uh, free radical theory of aging, which is directly tied to mitochondrial health, which really impacts our whole health at a root level, then yeah, we're talking about the the potential for methylene blue being this big time anti-aging drug. And especially if you're into red light therapy, maybe you're not so into the longevity anti-aging thing, or maybe you're kind of interested or or maybe you're way into it uh, and excited about it, kind of like I am, then methylene blue is this massive, massive low-hanging blue fruit that seems to have, again, just like red light therapy, low risk, very safe, yet high reward. So very big time. And again, just to kind of reiterate what that last paragraph was saying, with the free radical theory of aging, when we have excessive free radical leakage, which is inherently part of dysfunctional mitochondria, meaning when electrons are jumping across this river, across the electron transport chain, uh, if the gap is too large, free radicals leak, that's what leads to oxidative damage, that's what leads to excessive reactive oxygen species, which over time, especially as it compounds on itself, and you get more and more dysfunctional mitochondria, that's what leads to, ultimately leads to aging. And when we get down into the complexes within the electron transport chain, of course, there's complex one, two, three, and four. But when we're talking about mitochondrial dysfunction and it leading to oxidative damage, it's primarily impairing complex one and complex four. And if you remember from previous podcasts about methylene blue, methylene blue works specifically on complex four. And so that's a nice, I guess, pairing with red light therapy, which works on the other complexes. And so that's why it's so synergistic is because there's there's not a lot of redundancy with, with the mitochondrial benefits as it relates to red light therapy and uh, methylene blue. So again, using them in combination or, or, or just using them consistently throughout your daily, your weekly, your monthly health regimen, that's where you're kind of hitting all angles of mitochondrial health. And that's why they're so powerful together is they're working on uh, different aspects of, of mitochondrial health. This article is really interesting because it goes really into depth as far as how methylene blue works, you know, in its oxidized state, it, it's blue while in leuco methylene blue is colorless. Uh, methylene blue is hydrophilic and lipophilic or lipophilic, which makes it highly permeable through biomembranes, which kind of speaks towards its ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and thus accumulate mostly in the brain, which is great because the brain is so mitochondrial dense. 
Methylene blue also decreases the production of reactive oxygen species via bypassing the complex one and three activity going straight to complex four. And therefore, methylene blue has the potential to protect cells against oxidative stress under pathological conditions. Methylene blue, of course, we know a lot of this, has been widely used in surgical staining, malaria, and methemoglobinemia. Additionally, methylene blue was shown to photo-inactivate bacteria in 1928. So here we are almost 100 years later, finally bringing this to the forefront and to the public purview for all of us to, to finally learn from it and utilize. Uh, and methylene blue's potent antiviral effects were discovered soon after that. So again, early 1900s, uh, we already knew the, the largely the antibacterial, antiviral effects of methylene blue. Methylene blue can also be used as an antifungal and antiparasitic aquarium disinfectant, even with very high dosages. Methylene blue has also been used in photodynamic therapy among different types of cancers, including lung cancer, breast cancer, and prostate cancer. Surprisingly, a French study, and this is very interesting, especially about COVID, a French study involving 2,500 patients treated with methylene blue and standard chemotherapy showed no cases of COVID-19 infection. And this is huge, folks, because of course, if you're utilizing chemotherapy, which is very immunosuppressive, that leaves you open to getting sick from all different kinds of, you know, viruses and, and bacteria and different types of infections. So when you're immunosuppressed, you're more likely to get sick. So in the study with the 2,500 patients, they did chemotherapy uh, in combination with methylene blue and zero patients got cases of COVID-19 infection. So again, that speaks massively and strongly to the antiviral effect of methylene blue. Another study showed that low doses, 0.5 to 4 milligrams per kilogram of methylene blue, are effective to stimulate mitochondrial respiration in vivo and safe in animals and humans. Such evidence suggested that methylene blue is a safe drug. And just to go back to that low dose study, so we're talking 0.5 to 4 milligrams per kilogram, let's say, you know, an average size man around 70 kilograms. So that's about 35 milligrams, which if you're using something like BioBlue, which is 1% solution, you're looking at 70 drops and that's considered a low dose. And so again, if you guys have heard me talk about my personal dosage on previous uh, podcasts, or if you look at suggested or recommended dosages on the BioLite website, either on the Methylene Blue Learn page or the BioBlue product page, same thing as on both pages, it outlines, again, these types of low dosages. You want to begin with taking about 5 milligrams per dosage morning and evening, build up to 10 milligrams uh, per dosage morning and evening, each 10 milligrams morning, 10 milligrams evening, build yourself up to 15, build yourself up to 20, and somewhere between that 15 to 30 milligrams per dosage is kind of where you want to be for kind of an ongoing methylene blue dosage. And that fits perfectly with what they're showing here with low dosages. I mean, if we did four milligrams, then you're looking at like 280 milligrams per day for that person that's 70 kilograms. 
And so again, if we're looking at 280, that'd be 560 drops. And that is still considered a low dosage. So that's why I want to bring this to everyone's attention is even when we're doing 15 or 30 drops per dosage, that is still an extremely low dosage, relatively speaking, but it's these low dosages that leads to these amazing benefits, the antiviral, the antiparasitic, the antifungal, the antiviral, the brain boosting, the immune boosting, the mitochondrial health boosting aspects of methylene blue. It's these low dosages. And so if people think you need to be doing like one or two drops per serving, I mean, that's going to be extremely low. And that is certainly better than nothing. But you probably want to get up into that 10 or 15 milligrams, and even upwards of 20 to 30 milligrams per serving twice a day to to really uh, activate all of these benefits. So I just wanted to bring that study to the forefront because we're looking at anywhere from, again, 35 milligrams up to 280 milligrams is considered a low dose. And again, a study showed that low doses of 0.5 to 4 milligrams per kilogram of methylene blue are effective to stimulate mitochondrial respiration in vivo and safe in animals and humans. And the sentence followed up by that was such evidence suggested that methylene blue is a safe drug. If you remember from the episode entitled The Top 10 Benefits of Methylene Blue, you'll remember or you'll recall or maybe you want to go back and listen to uh, that certain aspects or like certain conditions, I think it was specifically talking about some uh, mental aspects, maybe for reducing stress, reducing depression. It actually takes a lesser dosage to see positive benefits and actually increasing that dosage past the dosages we're talking about, like 30 milligrams or so, like even that high, you, you don't see any additional benefit. So it does kind of pay heed to know what you're trying to accomplish with methylene blue. And as more and more research comes out, I'll continue to develop protocols or uh, informational, maybe even an ebook like the red light therapy treatment protocol ebook. So people can kind of have an idea of what the research is saying is the best dosage for a given condition. Because I know a lot of people have been asking about that. They're kind of getting excited about methylene blue. They like its potential. And so all I can say right now is that in general, you want to be doing anything from 5 to 30 milligrams per dosage and dosage in the morning and a dosage in the evening, most days of the week, if not every day. And if you're feeling like you're coming down with an illness or becoming sick, at, as soon as possible, start taking that methylene blue and then double or triple your typical dosage. You could even quadruple it because, again, when we're talking about low dosages, you, you can still double, triple, quadruple, quintuple, and you're still in a relatively low dosage safe range. Uh, so for example, like I said before, when I felt I was getting sick in my, in my lungs and I could feel it that first morning, I tripled my dosage, my typical dosage, and I did that dosage three or four times the first day. And then same thing, three or four times the second day. By the end of the second day, I was 100%, no signs of illness. Whereas had I not had methylene blue as a tool, I think I would have been sick and down for the count easily three to four days, just that typical sickness window. But because of the methylene blue, because of that antiviral potential, I nipped it in the bud and, um, you know, I had that muscle soreness and all that stuff. It was a very quick cycle. 
because by the end of that first day, I felt about 85, 90%. And again, by the time I woke up and the end of that second day, I was back to 100%. So even if methylene blue isn't something you're necessarily interested in taking every single day, maybe you just want to use it as a as an as needed situation. So when you get sick, take methylene blue. Or when you're feeling stressed, take methylene blue. If you want a cognitive boost, take methylene blue, and so on and so forth. So it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're someone who's really into health and you just want to do the best for your body, uh, and you're really into this mitochondrial health foundation or structure, so to speak, then it would make sense to take methylene blue on a consistent basis. Because just like we're seeing in the research with the endless potential and use cases for red light therapy and how it's benefiting the mitochondria, and thus that's why it helps with so many things. Methylene blue is doing that potentially at a deeper level because it, it can affect all of your cells regardless of how deep they are, unlike red light therapy. But also it helps the cells that need the help that need the most help. So whatever mitochondria are most dysfunctional are under most uh, are are the least productive at metabolism. That's where the methylene blue is going to go help first. A lot of it's going to accumulate in your brain regardless. And so it's just something simple to do, simple to take, easy to add to your uh, daily health regimen to get all of these amazing benefits. But with all of that being said, <laughs> let's move along in this article. So now we're into the applications aspect of this article. And lo and behold, the first uh, section here is methylene blue in brain aging. So just like I was talking about, oxidative metabolism is an important energy source for brain activity. During brain aging, mitochondrial dysfunction has been associated with neuronal loss. It has also been observed in many brain diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and brain injuries. So think TBIs, concussions. Methylene blue is highly lipophilic and able to effectively cross the blood-brain barrier. Methylene blue concentration is found to be higher in the brain than in plasma after oral administration or IV injection in rats. Besides, it has a strong affinity for mitochondria, which would explain why it likes to pool in the blood or accumulate in the blood. Different from the other antioxidants, such as MitoQ and MitoVite-E, Methylene blue can reduce the production of free radicals by bypassing complex 1 and 3 activity rather than scavenging free radicals. In fact, the membrane potential in complex 3 inhibited mitochondria can be partially restored by methylene blue in both mice and rats. Methylene blue, acting as an electron donor, i.e. raising voltage, can also increase the expression of brain cytochrome oxidase and oxygen consumption in vivo. Besides, low doses of methylene blue were shown to effectively inhibit nitric oxide, which inhibits cytochrome C oxidase activity. All these properties make methylene blue a promising drug candidate for brain diseases treatment. Alzheimer's disease is a neurodegenerative disease that constitutes a significant portion of dementia. Amyloid beta aggregation and neurofibrillary tangles are two pathological hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. Aging is one of the most important risk factors of Alzheimer's disease. So said another way, 
anything you can do from an anti-aging perspective is also going to be prophylactic against Alzheimer's. Mitochondrial dysfunction could be a missing link between aging and Alzheimer's disease. At the early stage of Alzheimer's disease progression, elevated mitochondria-derived oxidative stress has been reported. Mitochondria with reduced size and impaired movement were also observed in the Alzheimer's disease brain. Moreover, mitochondrial dysfunction causes diminished energy metabolism, alterations in the key enzymes in oxidative phosphorylation, dysregulation of calcium homeostasis, and elevated levels of sporadic mutations in the mitochondrial DNA in Alzheimer's disease. Low-dose treatment with methylene blue can reduce reactive oxygen species production, which could be beneficial to Alzheimer's disease patients. And I would also add to that, probably be preventative of even accruing the the symptoms of the amyloid beta and the neurofibrillary tangles. So it's very preventative as well. Several studies suggest that there is an association between mitochondrial dysfunction and abnormal processing of amyloid beta and tau. Amyloid precursor protein can be trapped in the mitochondrial membrane and impair mitochondrial function. Overexpression of tau can also result in mitochondrial dysfunction by decreasing ATP production and increasing oxidative stress. Conversely, the damaged mitochondrial function can induce aberrant amyloid beta production and promote abnormal phosphorylation of tau. Methylene blue was reported to prevent amyloid beta and tau aggregation or dissolve existing aggregates via autophagic clearance and therefore alleviate downstream pathological consequences. That's huge, guys. So not only does it prevent the aggregation of amyloid beta and tau, but it dissolves existing aggregates. That's huge. So it's not only preventative, but it's a reversal mechanism as well, methylene blue. Methylene blue's role in amyloid beta and tau aggregation clearance may help improve mitochondrial functions in Alzheimer's disease neurons and thus contribute to Alzheimer's disease treatment. Besides, cytochrome oxidase activity has been shown to decline in Alzheimer's disease, while methylene blue can increase the enzymatic activity of cytochrome oxidase, which results in an increased oxidative metabolic capacity of neurons. So essentially, methylene blue is increasing the energy production uh, in, in neurons, which are very energy intensive. So the efficacy of methylene blue in Alzheimer's disease clinical treatment is still under investigation. In Alzheimer's disease transgenic mouse models, methylene blue can inhibit amyloid beta production and rescue the cognitive defects. In 2008, a research group presented preliminary data showing that low-dose methylene blue prevented cognitive impairment in Alzheimer's disease patients. Rember, which is the commercial name of methylene blue, was administered to patients with mild to moderate symptoms. The results showed that there was an 81% reduction in the rate of cognitive decline in 50 weeks. In the phase 2 clinical trial, Rember was shown to improve both cognitive and cerebral blood flow in patients with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. LMTM, a stable variant form of methylene blue, 
has been tested in a phase 3 clinical trial. However, the result was inconclusive due to the lack of using the proper placebo control group. Another, ran, uh, another non-randomized cohort analysis has been performed more recently, which showed that the brain atrophy rate in patients with mild Alzheimer's disease declined after a 9-month treatment. Still, treatment dosage and proper control group should be optimized and a further suitably randomized uh, trial is needed. Parkinson's disease is another neurodegenerative disease associated with aging. It is one of the most common movement diseases featured by dopaminergic neuronal damage. The pathological hallmark of Parkinson's disease is Lewy bodies and Lewy neurites, intracellular aggregates of the protein alpha-synuclein or alpha-syn or asyn. Asyn can lead to progressive mitochondrial dysfunction when translocated to the mitochondria. Mitochondrial dysfunction is considered the primary cause of dopaminergic apoptosis via inducing oxidative stress in Parkinson's disease. Based on methylene blue's role in improving mitochondrial function, methylene blue can be a or could be a promising treatment in Parkinson's disease. Significant beneficial effects in reducing nigrostriatal dopaminergic loss and motor impairment can be observed in the rat models. Methylene blue was able to preserve dopamine neurons to some degree and alleviate motor defects in the mouse model. Low-dose methylene blue treatment is also effective in a chronic toxin-induced mouse model. However, more evidence is still needed to confirm whether methylene blue can be used as a Parkinson's disease treatment. In addition to its beneficial role in age-related brain disorders, methylene blue is a promising memory enhancer. Since metabolic derangement is observed in old brains and mitochondrial impairment accumulates over time, improving mitochondria may help neurons maintain their health and improve their functions. Several early studies have shown that methylene blue could enhance memory retention by increasing cytochrome oxidase activity and facilitating ATP generation in rats and zebrafish at low dosages. One of these studies showed that brain cytochrome oxidase activity after methylene blue treatment was about 70% higher than in the control group, and the overall mnemonic capacity during discrimination learning was improved. These effects were accompanied by long-lasting mitochondrial respiratory function. Another study showed that methylene blue could prevent memory impairment in rats with chronic cerebral hypoperfusion. With functional imaging in the human brain, it was shown that methylene blue could modulate task-related and resting state neural networks. Therefore, methylene blue has the potential to protect cognition against accelerated aging. And so moving along to the discussion portion of this article, and this is just a great over, overall uh, synopsis and, and overview of everything we covered in the previous sections, but it bears repeating because it kind of drives home the point and, and the message of methylene blue and its uh, many uh, contributing factors as it relates to mitochondrial health and aging. 
And so they go on to say that aging is a complex process with multiple contributing factors. This review discussed the anti-aging effects of methylene blue with a focus on the relationship between mitochondrial dysfunction and aging. Brain aging is a mystery and neurodegenerative disorders are a major part. Currently, no cure is fully developed for most neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. Several observations suggest that mitochondrial dysfunction is a key pathogenic step in neurodegenerative conditions. In addition to having antioxidant properties, methylene blue also crosses the blood-brain barrier easily, making it a promising candidate for treatment. In Alzheimer's disease mouse models, low-dosage methylene blue shows its ability to relieve oxidative stress and rescue cognitive defects. However, the results in Phase 2 and Phase 3 clinical trials are controversial. This could be due to the translational limitations of mouse models. The design of clinical trials needs to be further optimized. Moreover, several studies suggest that methylene blue can alleviate behavioral defects in Parkinson's disease mouse models. Studies show that, even with physiological brain aging, methylene blue treatment could still enhance memory by increasing cytochrome oxidase activity and decreasing oxidative stress. However, more extensive studies are required to validate the clinical applications of methylene blue in brain aging. And lastly, to wrap up the entire article, they go on to say that since methylene blue is an FDA-approved medicine with a long history, the safety of methylene blue usage has been thoroughly evaluated. The exploration of methylene blue utilization in aging-related conditions can help us understand the aging process. Derivatives of methylene blue can also be developed to improve its effects. And so that wraps up that article, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, if you want to read it in more in depth, uh, the, the link will be in the show notes below. But again, it just continues to uh, pile on the, the merits and the benefits and the proof of methylene blue safety, its effectiveness, especially when it comes to mitochondrial health. And of course, we know that's directly tied to neurodegenerative diseases. And again, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg as it relates to methylene blue, because if it's truly affecting the mitochondria on that level, then it should be doing the same thing in all of the cells and tissues and organs that have mitochondria, which are every single one in our body. Again, mitochondria are everywhere except our red blood cells. So for someone who's young and vibrant, for someone who is, you know, hitting that midlife, for someone who's in their latter years, we all have mitochondria. We're all in some way, shape, or form heading towards, um, at least chronologically, we're getting older, the mitochondria are being used more, uh, and, and the less we take care of them, the quicker they're going to become dysfunctional, which is going to accelerate aging, yada, yada, yada. So if we can do things like grounding and red light therapy and utilize methylene blue to not only prevent these conditions from happening, but potentially reverse them, then we're stepping into a new phase of health and, and essentially increase in our longevity, increase in our health span by, by really not doing too much. And it doesn't really cost that much compared to these other alternative allopathic, um, treatments or medications or what have you. So 
Again, these are some simple, low-hanging fruit things for improving your health, improving your mitochondrial health, and just stacking them with whatever else you're doing to uh, to benefit your health. So I hope you found this article interesting. And again, if you if you like this information, if you found it impactful, please share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues, and just continue to spread the message about red light therapy, methylene blue, and mitochondrial health, because this is truly a game changer, especially for people that aren't familiar with it, let alone haven't heard of it. So if we can expose more and more people to this type of information, I think it's going to empower people to take health into their own hands, have more energy, have more vitality. And in the end, that's what what it's all about. Um, for those people that are just joining the Red Light Report for the first time or two, um, I always say that if you did enjoy this information, please just take a quick, you know, 10 to 20 seconds to leave a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, you don't have to leave a written testimonial if you don't feel so inclined, but if you do, please feel free to do so. Uh, but the more we can get um, ratings for this for this podcast, the more we can get this message out about this type of impactful mitochondrial health, right light therapy, uh, methylene blue information. So the more people that know, the better. Um, as always, I hope you guys have an amazing week. Stay healthy, get your light, get your red and near infrared light especially, and get a little blue as well, if you know what I mean, wink, wink. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure you guys do after listening to this episode. Uh, but again, have an amazing week. I'll see you guys on the next episode. And as always, light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.